Okay, hello everybody. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name is Eunice, and um, I currently serve as the KUCD and also the uh, Emmaus Director for this year. And uh, I'm excited today. Oh my gosh, my stomach has been hurting. Hopefully, it'll just pass by the time I'm done with this. Um, yeah, but I think uh, for my last, very last sermon, I actually wanted to give something other than a regular sermon, but just share more from my heart and uh, share my testimony over the past six years of serving in Emmaus, as well as me also being a student in my own college ministry of Virginia Tech. Um, and hold on. <laughs> Like, I'm sure, but I don't, <laughs> I don't need this to be hard. Okay, so I'm going to answer this question uh, that someone asked. If I want to leave Emmaus with something from my college ministry experience in the past decade, what is something that I want to share? And so uh, this, um, a part of this actually came to me from reading a story from Matthew 14, 22 to 36. You don't have to turn there. I'll actually read it and paraphrase it for you. It's Matthew 14, 22 to 36, and it's uh, the story where Jesus walks on the water. And so the context of the story is that Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go off early and uh, to the other side while he dismissed the crowds and went up to the mountain to uh, pray in the evening by himself. But in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus comes to them by, came to them by walking on the sea and the disciples freak out because uh, they don't know that it's him and they think it's a ghost from far away. But immediately in verse 27, uh, Jesus says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And then the next verse says that Peter answered by saying, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, come. And then Peter got out of the boat and he came to Jesus, but then the wind came, he got distracted, he got scared, he, would, he started sinking, and uh, Jesus immediately grabbed his hand and said, oh, you have little faith, why did you not doubt? Sound familiar? Why did you doubt? Sound familiar, right? And so uh, throughout the course of my time in college ministry, I felt like Peter a lot. Uh, I think there are a lot of moments where God really challenged me to step out of my boat of comforts. And um, I was an English major uh, in college, English education. And to give brief context, the word come is actually an imperative. How many of you guys know what imperative means? Yes. Some of you all are Hogwarts teachers, so like Dan's like, um, yeah, so imperative. And imperative is actually a command. It means that something's absolutely necessary. It's an unavoidable requirement. Um, if you didn't know, like in interrogative is where the question mark, declarative is with a period. That's English nerd for you. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, imperative, that's what a command is, right? And so I want to share significant moments of where God really beckoned me to come out of the boat. And um, even in Emmaus, how Emmaus personally blessed me, even though I was serving on staff. And so I went to Virginia Tech uh, in uh, about, oh my gosh, I can't even remember, <laughs> 16 years ago. Oh my gosh, I was a freshman in 2005. Oh, oh the, the truth just, oh, this is, okay. 11 years ago, freshman in 2005. For some of y'all, you probably just, okay. Um, yeah, so freshman in 2005, and uh, Pastor John Michael Becker from Shilin Campus, some of you guys might know him, he was actually an alumni from my school, and uh, he already had moved to Korea then, and he ended up coming to 
back uh, to Virginia, where I lived, to uh, speak at our large groups. So back then, we had our large group there. And I remember he invited for anyone to do a two-month internship at his orphanage ministry called Jerusalem Ministry. And so... Uh, my sister and I, uh, I didn't really know how to hear God's voice at the time, but for some reason I felt like I should really go. And so, uh, yeah, it was my junior year. Uh, I went, and if I had never even taken that step, that first, you know, come that Jesus gave me, I probably would have never even been, been here today. And so uh, when I went in 2008 of my junior year, I was blessed uh, by like my time at New Philly, actually he was, Pastor JM told me, oh, there are many English ministries here in Seoul, but I go to New Philly, so let's go to New Philly. And I was like, okay, so New Philly Church, like we go together, and my sister and I fall in love with the church because I think the atmosphere that I grew up in back at home was a little more um, quiet and conservative, which there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just all what I grew up with. So when I came to New Philly, it was just like, oh my, it was just like in your face and everyone was so free and just so fiery and all that. And so I just had an amazing time at New Philly and in Korea because I grew up in a very small town in Richmond. Um, and so high buildings, like I don't, I've never really seen a bunch of them together until I came to Korea. And so, uh, yeah, so it was really amazing that I went back to Virginia Tech and I loved my time in Korea so much that I said I would um, graduate and come back uh, to serve and to uh, teach English for a year. But I go back and it's my senior year. I'm done with all of my student leadership duties and I just backslide. Like I just, uh, you know, delve into a lot of sin and um, me and uh, Pastor Sarah Yu from Hongdae Alpha, like we just went crazy and visited JP's university a lot and just yeah just it was like a party university so it was just really fun and um that's not all that they were known for <laughs> I always love dogging on it because we're rivals our schools um yeah but then I backslid and then I wasn't so sure anymore when I graduated all my friends at, at the time it was there was like a recession and our economy was just coming back from that and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do all my friends were getting jobs and no no job was open when I was applying and, um, and then I started to get desperate and depressed. And I told uh, God, I was like, God, like, just tell me anything. Like, tell me, am I supposed to go to Korea or not? And then in July of like 2009, like, I remember asking him in a dream, God, am I supposed to go overseas? And uh, he says yes so loudly that I woke up in the middle of the night. Um, and back then, um, I never heard God's voice like that. So I knew it was him. And it was like one of the hardest moments when he asked me to come out of that boat of comfort because growing up in Virginia, and I know JP knows this, but Northern Virginia, Virginia, like it's just a bubble and everyone just kind of grows up together and dates together and just, you know, just does life together. And so even when Pastor JM went to uh, Korea, it was so far away for us. And we're like, why is he even going there? And so, uh, yeah, I just had close family. Uh, like, I love my home. I was dating at the time. I loved life. It was so happy for me. And then, like, God tells me to go, and I get so upset. <clears throat> and so, you know, I go to Korea in December of 2009. And uh, because I had such an incredible time at my college ministry of Virginia Tech, I wanted to serve on a team at the church. And, yeah, welcoming team was great. I could greet people. I could move around tables for service team. I could pray at a prayer team. But, like, I just felt for some reason I really wanted to join Emmaus. And it seemed so appealing to me. And so, um, yeah, so I joined Emmaus along with about eight other people, I think. And Matt Coe was there with me at the time. And so, yeah, it was 
2011, uh, in the spring, we, uh, Pastor Aaron, who was the director of Emmaus at the time, head pastor of New Philly, gathers all of us in the room, Tina Lee, Rona Bab, Sarah Yu, Judy, Chehi, Matt, Matt Walker, Andy Un, and me. It was all of us. And we we're all there together. And um, we, we start serving. And then fall 2011 comes along. And this is the third time God tells me to step out of the boat. And it's a tough one. Uh, she basically challenges all the current staff at Emmaus to make a three-year commitment to the ministry. And I remember being at the States at the time visiting, and I heard that. I got the email, and I was like, okay, I don't have to pray about this because it's a no. Like, there's no way I'm going to – like, I didn't even pray about it. And, um, I, like, I was so sure that I was going to come back to the States because I love America, and I really didn't like Korea. So I was like, oh, yeah, there's no way. And, um, so I was, so all these people were saying, yes, I was literally, I think it was me and someone else down to the last two. And, uh, if it wasn't for a sermon series that I heard, um, basically the speaker was talking about God encountering Moses, uh, through the burning bush. And, uh, in the passage, it says, uh, that God tells Moses to take off his sandals cause he's stepping on holy ground. And, uh, the speaker was preaching, basically remove anything that hinders you from you and God. And so that scared me because I knew at the back of my mind, like I knew that uh, whatever fears, whatever stubbornness, whatever dreams I had in America, he wanted me to take those sandals off and just remove what was in between and really say yes. And so I made that three-year commitment to Emmaus, all seven of us. Two didn't make it, but seven of us made it. And um, I realized that I would have never been able to experience um, anything that happened the years after, if I never said yes. And the first year of commitment rolls along and God doesn't waste time. He, uh, called me into full-time ministry actually during a Nepal missions trip, uh, in 2012. And, um, it says in the story that I just read that the disciples didn't know that it was actually Jesus when he walked on the water from afar, right? They were kind of confused, but it was actually really him. And that was kind of the same thing for me. Like I kind of felt that it was God, but I wasn't really sure. I was scared. Um, I didn't, want to, like, I loved Emmaus, but I didn't know if I wanted to do it full time. And so, uh, there were a lot of like uncertainties, but after that trip, I literally, I remember coming back and meeting with Pastor Aaron and being like, oh, like, I just feel weird. And I feel like I'm supposed to be called to ministry and, and serve at Emmaus. And she goes, okay, well, good. Cause that actually bears witness in my heart too. And I was waiting for you to say that. And so I ended up committing to Emmaus. And at the time I was at Yonsei, but then uh, Pastor Aaron approaches me and Rona Bab and tells us to start SNU at the fall of 2012. And uh, SNU, it was challenging only because I was working at the time and I was coming back from work. And then I was like, you know, it was at night and it was cold. So who's going to talk to two girls um, who only spoke? It was like we spoke English and like we wanted to talk to more people who spoke English. So creepy. And like um, I remember I didn't know how to evangelize at the time. So I would use my like dumb like foreign skills and be like, hey, so like and I knew where it was. Hey, do you know where the student union building is? And then like, you know, they would try to walk me there. And as they're walking me there, I would act like, oh, so you speak English. And then like. That's how it would all start. <laughs> and um, I feel so bad like I, when I think about it now. But, I mean, people came because of that. So, um, yeah, so it was actually really cool. I remember um, my times. I mean, Rona was the pioneer for that, but I was assisting her. And it was really great, like, my time at um, SNU. And I actually thought I was going to be there for, like, a year or two. But then the next semester, Pastor Erin pulls me into the office, and she goes, hey, actually, like, I want you to start Korea University. 
And I was like, what? And um, she told me that it was going to be me and Matt Coe. And so we start Korea University, um, and it was, yeah, spring of 2013. Man, that coffee bean at Anam Exit 2, like I was telling my student leaders, like I will never forget so many memories and so many like student appointments, tears, each H&D sessions, like it was just so amazing. And, um, and that was even further. And I felt like during that time of me making the three-year commitment, God was only testing me and just asking me like, how much further are you going to go for me? And, like, even walk toward me. And so, you know, I may be saying all this, like, in succession. Like, oh, yeah, I said yes when he told me to come. And I said yes to this when he told me to come. But I don't think people realize, like, when I say, when I, you know, said yes to those comes, like, it took so long. And there were definitely walls and frustrations and confusion and things like that. And uh, one of the things that really hindered me from coming out of the boat was that uh, when he said to come, I acted like I had a hearing problem. And so I hear him say, come but we also don't hear him say come. And so, you know, we know, like, he only says these things to get us out of our comforts and, and to, you know, push us to make choices, the right choices. Um, and in fact, when he says come, like, I acted like I said, you know, he said something else. And I don't know if you guys have done this before, but I have. But whenever I'm praying for an answer for something, and I, like, obviously, if I wanted a certain way, like I'm praying. And if God tells me the answer I don't like, um, I elongate the prayer process. I'm like, okay, God, well, I'm going to fast. Give me three dreams, two confirmations, a burning bush. And then like, yeah, cause I'm not sure. I'm not sure God. I don't know. Even though he did say yes. And then if he does give me the answer that I want, like, I'm like all excited. I move forward right with that. I don't even question him at all. And so a lot of the times, like I twisted my situations and dialogues with him and, uh, only what I wanted to hear, but not what uh, God wanted me to hear from him. And um, that's kind of like how it was during my course of like the six years. Every time he would challenge me, um, I would come out of conversations with God only hearing my interpretation of it. And so that's kind of like a lot of the times. And I feel like if I have ever manipulated even more, I would have never made the three-year commitment. I would have never stepped into full-time ministry. I would have never planted campuses and agreed to those crazy things. And, um, you know, give, and just living off of the support of other people when I could have made a job on my own. Like that's, you know, those are all the things that, um, you know, that were making me uncomfortable. And so, you know, one thing I want to say is whenever we hear the Lord say, come, it makes us uncomfortable. But discomfort doesn't mean you're going the wrong way. And discomfort doesn't mean you're doing the wrong things. It just means that you're losing your control and your comforts are becoming his comforts. And so, of course, you're uncomfortable because you're reaching territories that you've never reached before, right? So how long am I speaking for, Emily? Okay. I talk really fast, so I need to... <laughs> Sarah, if I, like, just just, just do the... <laughs> David tells me I, like, rap. Um, man, yeah, I talk so fast. Okay. So transition back into my testimony. Um, God just didn't tell me to come out of the boat to make three-year commitments. And he didn't tell me to be a campus director and all these things. But he also, during my time at Emmaus, uh, since six years ago, he really called me to step out into who he made me to be. And so, um, you know, just a little context. I grew up, yeah, in Richmond. It was a very small town. Back then, when I was growing up, um, I was like the only Korean. And um, I was, I always, like, I grew up with um, almost all Caucasians, African-Americans, like I was literally the only Asian at one high school I went to, 98% black, and I was like literally one of two Koreans. Uh, and we were all just, it was like an art school, but like we were just all like, you know, so it was just very city-like and 
very like, you know, just no one even knew uh, what an Asian was. No one could point to Korea on a map. And no one even knew how to pronounce my name because Eunice is such a Korean American typical name. And so no one would know. Only um, old white grandma's names were Eunice at the time. And so it was really hard. And because of that, and I was made fun of a lot, um, I grew up like just dreading like everything. And I was just afraid. Um, I uh, had a lot of insecurity going up. And um, I dreaded just speaking. Like, I was so, like, soft-spoken and timid. And um, I dreaded speaking, and uh, like, public speaking, like, at schools. I hated presentations. As an English major, I could not stand them. Uh, because just, I don't know, I just felt like everything I had to say wasn't important. Or, like, that people wouldn't really listen to me. And so, um, yeah, I was just, like, afraid. But I feel like if people were to see me, like, from childhood and, like, middle school till now, I feel like some of them would be surprised because I would never really talk. I would be more, like, in the back with my hair purposely long and never tied up so that no one could see me. It was, like, curtains and, like, one-dimensional. Me, teacher, and that was it. And then I'd bounce out the door. Um, and so when God brought me to Mayus through under Pastor Aaron's leadership, I remember hearing her preach for the first time on stage and it was so bold and she was so charismatic. And you guys know, like when she speaks, like, you know, it's just, she's like a woman too. And like, it was just crazy. And so like, I just didn't think that was for me. Um, but I remember hearing her speak one time and I clearly heard God say that what was for her up there was also for me as well. And so the moment I realized that I was bold. Um, I started to step out on it. And I started to speak up on the pulpit and learn how to preach and evangelize the students. And I remember it got to the point where even if I would evangelize, like what Stella would say, it was to the point like where, yeah, I would meet her at the elevator. And yeah, I freaked her out, but I didn't care. And so like, I was just, you know, like approach her. And honestly, like, I don't blame students when they turn us away because we do kind of seem like a cult. But like, I... You know, I was just bold about it. Like, I would bring my laptop with recap videos of Emmaus and, like, sell it to people, like, at Coffee Bee. And, like, it was, I mean, obviously with the intent of leading them to Christ, guys. But, like, um, but it was just crazy. And so um, I just remember, like, the moment I found out, I just had this confidence that um, God would encounter every student that I met. So whenever I would meet students, I remember specifically at KU, ones with depression, ones with family trauma and all these things, I would meet them and see their countenance and be like, God can heal that. And uh, God can break that, you know, and God can set that free because, like, there were so many testimonies that I've experienced already with the maze that there was no way I could deny God and his power and his love for these students. And so, um, yeah, so one area that God naturally um, just had me step into when I didn't even ask for it uh, was something that I actually had a passion for. Um, and it was something that he called me to be bold in. And uh, one of these areas was the area of poetry and creative writing. Um, I know that I was an English major. I didn't want to be. I wanted to be an education major. But uh, poetry and writing was actually something I've always done. Just growing up, second, third grade, I would just write songs or, like, lyrics or, like, you know, poems and riddles. And I would just, you know, love writing it. Um, but it wasn't until four years ago at an Emmaus Kairos retreat, I still remember. Uh, it was me, Pastor Marcus, Pastor Aaron, and our student leader, Josh, at the time. Us, us four were in a room, and we are trying to think of a... a a special performance to do at the retreat. It was still the Team Vision Center that we're always at, but a different location, like different building. And I remember uh, someone brought up spoken word. And I actually never knew what spoken word was. Do some of you guys, do, who knows what spoken word is? Yes. So I didn't really know what it was. 
um, I think uh, it was, yeah, it was an area that I was very unfamiliar with, but Pastor Marcus actually, we asked him last minute to write something. And so he wrote like a three-part spoken word with P.E. in the middle, Pastor Aaron in the middle, me and Josh at the side. And like, it was like, it was so riveting. It was like an acting class where like, we would sit in P.E.'s living room and and we would just like uh, all take turns, like table reading, and then like say it. But we couldn't just speak it out. We had to speak it with emphasis and emotion and delivery and intonation and pauses and dramatic pauses. And like there are just so many uh, different things to this world. And it really piqued my interest. And I remember, um, you know, thanking Pastor Marcus to this day for introducing it. And the next spring retreat, it comes around. And it was supposed to be me and Pastor Aaron that do it. But then um, it, she ends up getting sick last minute. She's like, I can't do it. Um, this is something that I have, like some writing. And can you just tweak it? And can you do it? And I was so, I remember feeling so afraid to do it solo. I felt nervous and vulnerable up there. But um, I, just, I just stepped out. I remember feeling, I seriously can't even tell you the gut-wrenching feeling I felt. Like more than any, like I can't even remember any other moment I was nervous about. But to, to delve into an area I wasn't even a master in, like, and just to do it in front of, like, students. And it was just my craft, and it was vulnerable. It was out there. And then just to actually do it and then just hear, like, Pastor Aaron and Marcus say, like, wow, like, this is something maybe you could do. It really encouraged me. And it was something that um, happened several times over and over the course of banquets, large groups, and, and all those things. And I think till this day, I'm so grateful for Emmaus because it was the incubator of some of my dreams growing up as a child. And um, this was something that really came out. And so um, it started in Emmaus, and it's something that I want to end uh, here at Emmaus. And so I have prepared a spoken word for you guys. Oh, my gosh. Um, sorry, just give me a second. Um, so, oh God, it's going to be so hard because I can't see it. weird if I like stare at you guys (laughs) okay so I will these are it's just titled my last words to me so I couldn't come with any creative mess up please show me grace um okay so some of these references are from the past semester or you can if you can catch what i'm saying it might be for the past semester and at the end i need you to uh towards the end i need you to come into agreement with me um and when i say all god's people said you say yeah when all god's people say you said yes okay all right So when I look back on my years at Emmaus, I see students from all over the world searching their souls, some sick of churching cause holes and their hearts would go cold. Till they stepped into Seoul, a city where Emmaus resided, and God always provided a place where they could identify the icebergs that have stifled their past, where the stuff above the surface was all but a mask, too thick and hard to move when the rest below the surface is what God wanted to prove, saying we may only show the 10, but he knows the 90. 
We may not know Jack, but we know that he rose. Above the waters, extend his hand, saying, I'll never let go. Till we say that he's melted the ice around our hearts that has made us mechanic. Instead, he built us like Titanic, sinking below the surface of who we are and meant to be. He gives us the freedom to be. Like streaming colors, stretch forth across a banner that extends from one end of his promise to the other, no end. But nowadays... We define our freedom on Instagram and Snapchat, swapping faces and wanting to trade places, going after boomerang effects, the back and forth definitions of who the world wants us to be. And if we don't like it, we swipe left to what's left over in our hearts as we're left over and over to the voices of lies that steer us away from the one truth that we should abide, which is the truth of Jesus Christ, the one who sets us free. Free from the past that keeps us from rest. Free from mocking voices that put things to the test. Free from the times your chin couldn't reach the bar. Or times you had to watch the game from the bench. From all those moments where trauma and fears were entrenched. He set you free from those paths. And has given you freedom that lasts. Freedom to worship with no strings attached. Chains broken off in full surrender. Our hearts in awe of his splendor as he gives us the freedom to dream. Dreaming into uncharted waters as we step out of the boat. And pay no attention to the waves that pull at us. Winds that taunt at us. But one step further from the boat and closer to the cross. And into the depths of vulnerability you'll find with him. There is no loss. Because we got our mind on our Savior, our Savior on our mind. With him, we get to tap into our original design. With faith, joy combined, we can easily find that he is always with us. So sit back and recline. For all the good that he's done, there's no need for panicking. He says to step out, not just stand there like a mannequin. Challenge accepted. We as Emmaus won't stay silent for he has intercepted to give us a platform that's highly affected many lives to arise with Christ as he selected us to know that with him, we are truly perfected. So tell this to the students who will sit in your seats. Tell it to those who have yet to sit at his feet, to those who've never heard of his name, his wonderful and beautiful sweet name, the name that is above all names, the name that owes us by name. When he came to proclaim, he gave us a new name, the name that told Joshua not to be discouraged and Sarah that she could bear a child, the name that lent his clothing for healing, that went before us to give us rest, that commanded Moses to raise his staff and stretch it over the seas parting the red in our eyes so that we can see clearly past any distraction that'll hinder us from his satisfaction so father my prayer is that Emmaus take heart as circumstances may change people get rearranged we don't want to be a ministry that just gives and take hearts that stir revival at every semester start take heart at every large group taking part as Emmaus takes heart when God calls us to go from glory to glory taking hearts from darkness to light and rewriting our stories my prayer is that we may sing louder than the psalms of praise lean on you during wilderness days fixing our gaze on you at times of trouble, knowing that always your blessings will double. May every student behold you so that they can become like you. May every crew uphold you so that they have less of them and more of you. 
We've had years of bringing out the bold, but next year we'll be on bringing out the gold. The gold in every student, the gold in every crew, the gold in every campus, may they all resemble you. So Father, I pray this again and again for next year. May every ceiling shatter. Let your presence seep in. On the road to the Savior, may your hearts burn from within. And with this, I will close all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Woo! Amen. All right, let's all rise. Let's all rise. Oh, if I could have Kate on the keys. Oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's all rise. I think this, there's one, one response that I want to give you guys, one response. And that is this. All those six years and the four years before that, 10 years of serving in college ministry, I never would have been the person that I am today or done what I've ever done for God if I never stepped out of the boat. And for some of you guys, and if I could have, and for some of you guys, I believe stepping out of the boat means kind of like what I just did, tapping into childhood dreams and creativity and, and things that I've always wanted, things I felt like where I wasn't good enough and all those things, right? That's one area of stepping out of the boat. Another area I feel like is further steps of healing, whatever that may look like. And I'm not saying that your first healing and deliverance session wasn't good enough, but I'm saying that there's further healing and God wants you to step out of the boat to him. For others of you, it's reconciliation. When you go home, God is waiting for it. When you go home, God is already before you to give you rest and peace in those conversations you need to have with your family members, with your friends, with church members, with pastors. And for others of you, it's just your relationship with the Lord. He wants you to be bold. You know, being bold also means living a life of integrity, being the same person inside and out. That, yeah, just like how I said, even though circumstances may change, people are going to leave Emmaus. People are going to just stay in Emmaus. Crew, they're going to leave. Crew are also going to stay. But really knowing that the joy that we have for the Lord and our worship to him never changes. That's called being bold and stepping out of the boat. I'm specifically hearing uh, dreams. Um, these are not dreams that could like, you know, not that are pertain particularly to your career, but I'm talking about, yeah, stuff like this, like what I just did. Like being able to take that and fighting the tension of it and just really stepping out and just giving it to the Lord. Whatever that may be. If that is you, and you are ready this winter break and even next semester to take a step of courage and boldness and step out of the boat and go towards the Lord. I want you to just slip up your hand right now. Yeah, some of us are four years. Some of us are one years. Some of us are exchange students, but we all have one thing in common. We're about to, we're about to enter in a winter break and a winter rest. And I specifically feel like there are steps that we need to take outside of our boat, outside of our comforts, and that we need to lose the grip of control that we have over our lives 
and turn it over to the Lord. So if that is you, can I just invite you to just slowly make your way up here. And crew, if I could have you come up to the front.